0: Welcome, guys and gals to The Man Talk Show. I'm Connor Beaton. This podcast brings together some of the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to help teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. Uh, today's episode, uh, if you didn't get a chance to see by the title is going to be an anonymous session. So uh, today I have a, a man joining me who uh, is struggling. He is close to 30. He had a pretty tumultuous relationship uh, in his early 20s, which was his uh, very first um, I think it was late late teens, early 20s and um, it was his first sexual partner. And uh, it was um, quite an unhealthy relationship, lots of, th- lots of threats, a little bit of violence, not, not so much like physical violence, but there was some m- manipulation and uh, infidelity uh, on his partner's uh, part. And so since then, uh, this individual hasn't been technically really in other relationships, sexually or otherwise. Uh, and there's been a good amount of hurt and pain that's carried on. Now, I don't actually focus so much on that as I do uh, his relationship with his father, which as you hear when I dig into it, you can kind of hear um, that there is some challenges uh, with his father, and um, a lot of that behavior ties into um, some of the stuff that he's been experiencing in his life right now, but also ties into the challenges that he had in his relationship. So what do we talk about in this episode? We talk a little bit about the shadow. Uh, we talk about repressed anger. We talk about we talk specifically about anger towards other people uh, being a projection around anger towards self. We talk about self empowerment and specifically the relationship with the father and how there was in some instances uh, triangulation between him and his father. Um, there was uh, unhealthy uh, connection. Um, in the sense that his father would really go to him with a lot of the problems and challenges that that he was facing and and didn't really create a good role model of of being able to tend to and take care of his own challenges. and And so we we process a lot of that, set some boundaries, talk about boundaries quite a bit. And uh, and then get into some of the action that he needs to be taking in his life right now. So this is a really phenomenal conversation. Uh, he's quite thoughtful. You can hear, uh, you know, the emotion right at the surface um, throughout parts of this. And um, yeah, there's some there's some pauses in between because he's very much thinking about what he you know what his response is. So this is a great great interview. I hope that you uh, get a lot out of this. And don't forget to, to share this podcast episode with someone that you know would benefit from this, whether it's someone who you know has a, a struggling with their relationship with one of their parents, um, whether it's a man or a woman, whether it's their mother or their father. Um, sometimes we can hear these types of sessions and just hearing someone else's experience will give us such a deep context for our own and how we can handle and set boundaries with the parents. So I encourage you to share this with, with someone in your life. I want to encourage you to join the Alliance. It is an incredible, incredible group of men from around the world who gather every single week and we uh, hold each other accountable to moving through some of the, the challenges that you're facing. Uh, we talk about purpose. We talk about relationships, sex, and intimacy. And uh, both myself and Traver uh, talk about and, and teach how to embody some of these principles of masculinity, how to start to embody uh, setting boundaries and self-respect, and pursuing your goals and your dreams, and managing transition, and all of these major aspects that that many of us are facing, and uh, we do it together with with some incredible guys from around the world. So, I hope you check that out. Apply online. Uh, you can sign up today and and join the group. Uh, And don't forget, if you are not on our email list, I would definitely encourage you to go to mantalk.com and sign up now uh, just so you can stay tuned for some of the upcoming men's weekends that we have, but also with the book. I am going to be releasing a book that I've been working on. I'm just about at 40,000 words, uh, and I've been bringing an editor in the process. And so that that book will be getting released soon. And it is all about understanding the shadow of men because the shadow is everything that we are talking about. The shadow is what holds us back from our goals, from our dreams. The shadow is the part of ourselves that we reject and it fuels our inner critic. The shadow controls the sabotager within us that sabotages our morning routines and our meditation routines and you know our sex life with our partner and our finances and the whole thing. Uh, so understanding how our shadow works is incredibly important. And ladies, you won't want to miss this either uh, because the subtitle of the book is A Book for Men designed to answer the questions of women. So this book is going to be very helpful. It's going to be written directly to men, but it's going to answer a lot of the questions that a lot of women have when they reach out to me about men and commitment, about men and purpose uh, and and sex and the whole thing. So uh, without any further delay, please welcome my anonymous guest.
1: Uh, yeah, you're welcome. It's really good to be
0: here. Yeah, good. It's, it's nice to connect with you and I uh, appreciate you sort of taking the leap. I know that these situations are are always a little little uncomfortable, but there's been some amazing conversations thus far. So maybe just give me a bit of a context of you know why you uh, applied to do the session
1: and what you are ideally looking to resolve. Uh, yeah, so my friend told me about Man Talks about like three months ago. He said that he did some of the coaching with you guys and found it very helpful in his life. I uh, opened up to him around uh, the issues around uh, uh, sex and dating. And the main issue that I'm trying to resolve is that uh, I've spent eight years um, without having a girlfriend or, uh, and I haven't had sex for the last eight years, which is like embarrassing and kind of hard to admit, but I've had to sort of make that realization that I've kind of got myself into this position and, uh, I need to do something about it. Mm, Okay. And so what you're looking to resolve is? I guess my fears around, uh, around dating relationships and women, uh, my, my past trauma around it so that I can actually uh, trust someone again and and open up. I don't know exactly how to do that. So I'm Mm. looking for some, some new methods. I was trying to do it within sort of a, a Christian paradigm, but, that ultimately i think that failed me and i don't really know where to go from there so Mm. i'm looking for what new ideas
0: yeah tell me a little bit more about the the fears that you're talking about and and maybe the the christian paradigm and how that played into it
1: yeah uh so i guess i got myself into a bad relationship when i was younger uh very destructive with a girl who had borderline personality disorder, I think she wasn't like diagnosed or anything, but i uh, studying psychology at the university. And so I kind of have kind of put some of the pieces together and sort of explain some of the behavior, the like the intense emotional manipulation, the cutting, the threats of suicide and and that kind of thing. And so the messed up part for me was going, I got myself into this relationship primarily just because I really wanted to have sex and my parents were, uh, very like, uh, religious and strict. And so there wasn't really much of an avenue for that. So I sort of built up this massive bubble in between myself and, uh, them where they couldn't really help me anymore. And I didn't know where to, where to sort of turn. And I was making attempts at, finding a relationship and I finally found this person who was willing to have sex with me but it was also awful because of the the manipulation and, and that sort of thing and then uh she started cheating on me and it really kind of damaged that part of me that was willing to trust someone with my with my heart and I never really was able to get past that I found it very difficult to be around women at all for we'll say the first two or three years I have one memory in specific where like even being next to a woman, like a single woman, my, my buddy was like, come hang out with us, just come sit down. Like he was encouraging me. Right. And so I'm like, okay. And like, she didn't know, obviously. Uh, but I went and sat down beside her and we were just hanging out. And all of a sudden there's like uncontrollable tears coming down my cheeks. And I, I was like, I'm going to leave the room. And I just left. And uh, that's, that's sort of like, where where I was at with it and then from there I I didn't really know how to how to process that so I started um working on slowly desensitizing myself to emotional triggers through uh like I basically tried to do exposure therapy on myself and uh it was a long process and I finally was I, I went I got into a couple of like really short relationships that lasted a couple of weeks but whenever they sort of turned uh, like physical at all um I think that was because, like, just because of the the churchiness or whatever that was kind of seen as like a bad thing. And it made them nervous. And then they'd break up with me. And then I didn't know there was no, because I couldn't be as emotionally vulnerable as I needed to be that early in the relationship. But I needed the physical intimacy in order to prove to myself that the relationship was even there. Mm. So there was this weird, there's this, there's this double bind that I've been in for a long time. I don't know how to go from, where I'm at now into like this like perfect relationship where everything's going to be all right. I just don't see that happening. So I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to do about it. So I'm scared. I'm scared it won't happen for me. I'm scared that I won't be able to fix it. I'm also scared that it would work, you know, or that I would get partway and then I'd, I'd fuck it up. Like I'd sabotage it. Right. Yeah. Okay. And can you tell
0: me a little bit more about this? You mentioned the, you know, getting into the perfect relationship and that you don't think it's possible. What, what is that perfect relationship? And yeah, let's just start there. Boy,
1: I, I don't even know what it is. Right. It kind of, that's, I had a picture of it in my head when I was younger, but now it doesn't seem like it's realistic because my values don't even line up with the person that I imagined being like, I'm not the, the guy who would be in that relationship hmm. because because the relationship that I pictured was this sort of monogamous Christian relationship, right? We both go to church together and, and pray and everything like that. And I, I've lost a lot of those, uh, I don't know, values or beliefs, or I've just been really disillusioned with it. Like I don't see God the same way that I, I did at that point at all. And going to church doesn't make much sense to me anymore. And uh, in, in fact, I've, mm. I spent the last four months, um, deliberately not going to church. Like I went regularly for years. I was very dedicated to it. Like we're talking eight years. I was, uh, did leadership and that sort of thing. A lot of voluntary leadership and even like talked in front of uh, people about, about it. And I was very passionate about it. And, uh, then at a certain point I realized that I was, that it wasn't what I thought it was when I went in and that I, Hmm was kind of play acting a role that I thought I needed to, to be, but that I wasn't being authentic to what I wanted and what I needed. And that ultimately what I was looking for in that place wasn't, it wasn't available in that space. And I had to let go. I went to a, a counselor at the university, right. He got me through that patch. Cause he kind of recognized that a lot of my issues all lined up around church. Right. So he's like, what would happen if you stopped going? Right. And what, what has happened since you've stopped? I noticed that uh, the like I was always afraid of like not like being alone. Uh, and so I think that was a big part of why I was actually going, was I didn't want to be alone. And going to that building with those people made me feel like I wasn't alone. But it didn't really work because I didn't have the connections there that I wanted. And that was really evident to me after I left because... I spent like four months out and no one contacted me. No one asked why I wasn't going, which I was kind of relieved about because I didn't want to go, but I just noticed that, you know, like one of the big reasons I went was for the community aspect of it. And I'm like, there's no real community here for me because if I leave, no one really notices. So what kind of community
0: is that? Hmm. And the the relationship that you were talking about from, from years ago that was unhealthy, <laughs> where there was dysfunction, um,
1: was that your first sexual relationship? Uh, yes, but there's a, a kind okay. of, because there was another girl, but it wasn't quite, I don't know, I, that's kind of complicated, but yes, mostly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no problem. No problem.
0: I understand. Right. <laughs> um, okay. All right. And... Um,
1: what, what drew you to this woman in the first place? I thought she was cute. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. She was uh, rebellious, too. So I thought that there was a chance that, uh, I, that she would be open to having sex. And that was like a really big driver for me. And I, I knew that that was conscious. It wasn't like this unconscious drive. I was like, yeah, she looks like someone who would put out. And uh, I thought that... Uh, I saw, I saw an emotional connection when we were talking and we started to get along. And then, uh, it kind of shifted from just wanting to get laid to like, I actually started to care about her. I Mm -hmm. saw that she had a lot of different problems with her family and I had some, some genuine compassion for her. And I thought I could help. I thought I could help her through that situation. And so I tried to do that. Um, I didn't, mm-hmm. I was really naive. I didn't recognize that sort of savior complex that I had in me, that sort of need to rescue someone as being a problem. I thought I was like doing a good thing. Got it. Okay. So, how I tried to help her was um, I listened to her, and uh, her mom was an alcoholic, and her stepdad was an alcoholic, and they were. They break glasses and stuff in the house, and she, she was describing these sort of really intense arguments they have late at night. And I told her that if she wanted to move out, she could move in with me. Uh, and so I got a, we got a tent, and we moved into the camping ground, and lived there for like six months until we finally got moved in with my parents for a bit, and then got her own apartment. And I just wanted to get her out of that situation. All right. Well, let's let's explore a few things
0: and. Uh, you know, maybe for for everyone's sake involved, what would you ideally like to resolve out of this? Not that we're going to find some absolute resolution, but what are you looking to resolve right now? I'd like to work on
1: uh, the, the sort of trauma aspect about it. Because, um, like, I know that uh, not all women are like my ex-girlfriend. I know that there there are uh good people out there but there's a part of me that also doubts that and and struggles with that all right so so in and around
0: trust being able to open yourself again and and find uh
1: you know maybe find another relationship yeah and maybe find some trust for myself too because part of this problem is that i kind of don't see myself as being that um Oh man, this is hard to I, I don't see myself very well, right? So if it creates okay. kind of a, a lose lose situation then in my in my mind, because if I don't think that I'm worth her spending time with, then even if I did trust her, then I would I always kind of think that she's getting a bad deal. So then I'm I think that's where the self sabotage comes from. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, let's, let's
0: explore a little bit of this. And again, I'm just going to ask you a few questions that are, that are sort of in first person and I'll let you respond to them. So, so right now
1: I feel stuck. Um, kind of like I'm going around in circles, like I've gotten to this place before and haven't been able to find any resolution to it. I feel angry at, at myself and At at uh the the sort of systems that i've tried to use to heal myself that haven't worked and there's a weird combination of things where i feel like i'm angry at people for not helping me but i didn't trust them really to help me either so i'm also mad at me but i'm mad at them
0: Hmm. can you say more about that why you're angry at, at people for not supporting you I
1: don't have really good relationship with my dad. And, um, I know that my parents love me, but didn't really know how to help me when I was growing up and I was going through sort of my teenage problems. And I am mad that people don't seem to understand what I, what I need. I'm, I'm mad that they don't seem to care about that or that they don't know how to help me with that. Okay. All right. Well,
0: let's go in a little bit more on this. So so I feel stuck in my life because...
1: Uh, because I keep trying to make something work and it, it, it has felt like a massive loop, right? Like I'm still looking for the same relationship that I wanted to have when I was you know, uh, 14 and, you know, frustrated and trying to find something that would work and didn't find it then. And then now I'm almost 30 and I still haven't been able to resolve the issues for that, that guy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. And, and what I feel like I've been holding on to is.
1: My desire to be in a relationship.
0: Hmm. Mm hmm. And what I've been holding on to from my past relationship is pain.
1: Um, and, uh, maybe this sort of feeling that if I can still kind of care about her, that I'm a good person.
0: And the, the pain
1: that I feel from that relationship is that I never really got to express how I felt about her. You know, I never really got to tell her, um, that i know that she can't be the person that i wanted her to be and that uh um that's okay that i you know i still like love her um even if it's not the way it was and even if that means we're never going to be together I, i know that um and i wouldn't want that relationship now anyway it's that's that's true but that i i just wanted good things for her and that i really hope that she's you know doing well and yeah
0: okay and the, so the boundaries that i didn't set with her when we were dating
1: was i, I didn't tell her that if she cheats on me that i sh- that i'll walk away and then when she cheated on me i didn't walk away mm-hmm Okay, so I didn't. I didn't leave. I thought because... she'd change. I thought if I held on long enough, that she would see that I cared enough to be there, even if it hurt me. And I uh, didn't realize that people don't really change that much. And if she's going to treat me that way, and I don't do anything about it, then she's probably going to keep treating me that way. And it doesn't matter if I wait for a week or a year, it's not going to change. I could probably wait for 10 years.
0: So because of that, the pain that I felt was? A lot more than it had to be. Like way worse. Okay. In that relationship,
1: my sadness was? Very deep. It, it pulled me into like some of the deepest depression that I've ever felt in my life. Uh, hmm. Made me think that there was like ne- life could never be good again. in in those In those spaces, I'm not. I don't want to be dramatic. It's not like I've never been happy since that happened. I've had lots of really good experiences, met good people, and I've, I've seen that life can be different than that. But in that moment, no, it felt like this closed off tunnel, like it would never end. But in those
0: moments, what my what my sadness wanted to say to her was, "Stop hurting me." Um, mm-hmm. Stop hurting me because because I
1: I can't take it. I mm-hmm. I don't deserve to be treated this way. I don't want to leave because I love you, but I don't. I wish I didn't because I can't. I can't handle this. It's t- it's too much, and no one should ever be mm-hmm. expected to go through that. Yeah, okay. You want to just take a deep breath in?
0: And out. Yeah. So right now I feel uh kind of tense.
1: I feel tense. Yeah. Uh in Where? my back, in my uh upper back, between my shoulder blades, the base of my neck.
0: And if that tension could speak, what it would be saying is let's fight. <laughs> yeah yeah because my anger is it's
1: up in my throat
0: if my anger had a voice what i would want to say to her is stop it yeah stop it because
1: stop it because i i need you to i need you to act differently or i need you to go
0: yeah yeah if i would have done that when we were dating what would have happened is my uh, my self respect would have gone up. Yeah, I was, but I didn't do that because I was worried that she would. I was worried she actually would leave, that she wouldn't change her behavior. Yeah, and the thought of that was
1: terrifying. Mm-hmm. Because, because I didn't think I could handle being alone. Hmm.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So the thought of the thought of being alone at
1: that time was scarier than the actual pain of getting hurt and having someone actively cheat on me
0: yeah so i put up with her bullshit i put up with her infidelity and bullshit
1: because because i didn't think i could do better i genuinely thought that if i walked away that i would just be alone for years and uh in a roundabout way maybe i've gone about trying to prove that right I don't know. Ah, Say that again? I think in a roundabout way, maybe I've gone around trying to prove that right.
0: Yeah, what what exactly have you been trying to prove right?
1: That I'll I'll be alone if I walk away. Mm.
0: Yeah. So how how have you been doing that these past few years?
1: By not really opening up fully. By uh, being guarded. By pursuing women who are I know are unavailable, like they're in committed relationships or they're uh, kind of uh, very religious and shut down. Um, I don't go after girls who are actual options. Mm. I don't know what it is. It's like, I can't see them or if I see someone that I'm attracted to and they're available I assume that she'll find a better option. Sometimes they're single for years and I won't make a move. And I won't say like that I actually think they're attractive or that I want to get to know them. I'll kind of hang out and I'll see them once in a while or we will be friends on Instagram or whatever, but I won't actually say, hey, I think you're cute. I would like to take you on a date. Got it. Okay. So
0: let's let's talk about the, let's look at the anger just a little bit more because I think that's an important piece. How did it feel to just let that come to the surface a little bit and, and release it a little bit?
1: I felt great. Yeah. Felt really okay. good to, to stand up for myself in those memories and just kind of actually say, stop it.
0: Yeah. You know, the the interesting thing here is when our memories come up, you know, our, our the depression and and a lot of you know, de- depression specifically is a past based uh, occurrence. And it occurs because things in the past are not dealt with. They're not healed through. They're not integrated. And sometimes these memories where we look back at our actions and we can see you know, in your in your intake form, you mentioned the word weak a few times about people in your family, but also about yourself, and you've sort of talked about not being able to stand up for yourself in those moments for, you know, a number of reasons that I think you've become fairly clear on. You know, I think you know why largely you didn't stand up for yourself in those moments, but when we look back on them, that lack of, of strength can be carried forward into the present moment and carried forward and carried forward and sometimes we need to be able to take a bit of a stand even against those memories right because those are the things that we're carrying and and in the moment we can when we have that flash come up of the past or we have that inner critic come up and say oh you know you're not you're not good enough for her or you know don't even bother going to talk to her whatever that whatever that voice is we need to be able to stand up to it a little bit. Because if we don't, you can see how the anger gets projected outwards, right? You even said before, I'm, I'm mad at other people for not helping me. Well, that's just a projection of your internal state of the helplessness that in a large way has been experienced and and taught to you during this process of of not being able to not, not not being able to, but not having the, the tools or having been taught how to stand up to someone and set boundaries in these types of situations and how to stand up to yourself and set boundaries because that's where it all starts, right? It starts with us being able to stand up for ourselves, to ourselves. And so I want you to be able to just take, take that feeling, right? So when you did stand up and, and just say, you know, stop, how did you feel in your body? What was that experience like? I uh, felt like light,
1: um, in, in my, in my chest, uh, my, my eyes actually like watered a little bit, um, mm. and I felt really true and authentic and like something I needed to say a long time ago. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good.
0: Good. All right. Um, let's, let's explore just a, a few other things and, uh, you know, I, I think you, you talked about feeling stuck before and, and, you know, there's this theme of, of being a little bit angry at yourself, but at other people. So I just going to ask you a few questions just so we can kind of get some context for your family. So, um, as a kid, my father
1: was scared. Well, no, not, not as a kid. When, when, when I was a little kid, he was really wonderful and. And fun to hang out with and he'd tell us stories and he'd play with us and wrestle us in the living room and I uh I remember him as being just awesome Hmm. okay what when did that change when I got to be a little bit older and sort of my my preteens he started to talk about his issues around my mom and how he wasn't happy and and he basically tried to get me to be his therapist for a long time. And a lot of different things that he'd say caused me to lose respect for him as I got older. Uh, Hmm. things like, uh, he would, uh, do a job for someone and then they wouldn't pay him. And then he'd come back and tell us how frustrated he was. And I should just say blah, blah, blah. I should just say like, it was no big deal, but then he'd never say it. And he'd be like, I'm always getting taken advantage of. And, I started to realize that it was his fault because there was like some things he could do. Like, like he would even say what they were. He'd be like, I should ask for money up front. And then he'd be like, so I'm like, how do we get in the situation again for like the 20th time? If he's going to make that, I'm asking for money up front. Obviously he didn't do that. So just shit like that. And the biggest thing was, uh, My parents went through uh, a divorce, but it was like kind of a long drawn out ordeal. Mm -hmm. Um, When they finally did get divorced, it was after my breakup and I kind of went like, awesome, like good for both of you. Neither of you were happy with that situation and it's better for everyone. But Mm -hmm. I guess the part that that pissed me off the most was the fact that dad would say so many negative things about my mom because... She's still my mom. She might be his, his, uh, ex-wife or bad relationship or whatever, but that's not who she is to me. Yeah. So when, so when he would do those things, I felt. Well, like I didn't know what to do myself. I mean, he's supposed to be like my role model, right? Or. hmm. And. Then, uh, and he's acting that way. Um obviously at a certain point I can't trust him to, mm. to to guide me through my struggle. He can't handle his own. I've got to look somewhere else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I so I couldn't trust him because he Because he didn't
1: trust himself. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and his inability to stand up for himself was hard to watch um yeah because
1: annoying <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, it was hard to watch because it was it was repetition it was like okay how many times are you going to do the same thing you know and then like I like that, that's where i see it in myself right it's just like oh here i go right i've got all the answers for dad but i'm doing the same things and yeah and that's my been my biggest fear for years was ending up like him Mm. because we have sort of the same genes we even like look similar uh we've been uh told that before it's very obvious that we're related
0: Mm -hmm. so as a as a kid when he couldn't stand up for himself i remember thinking
1: why like why not Hmm.
0: yeah and as a man what I would want to ask him is
1: what what are you going to do now you're you're like you turned 60 this year right those things that those things that you wanted so badly when you were young and you didn't go and get them what are you going to do now are are you going to be able to find peace with that or are you going to spend the last years of your life looking back in regret yeah uh, so my father's anger is hidden i know it's there because i know him he rarely he rarely says anything like i feel sad or i feel angry or like he won't talk about the emotions but he'll talk all around them hmm
0: yeah Okay. And and because of that, I feel like he
1: doesn't really understand himself. And the
0: impact on me is,
1: I feel discouraged and hopeless when I'm around him. So I don't hang out with him much. Hmm. He, he would, he would, lo- he would love to talk, but I spend quite a large amount of time away from him.
0: Right. Cause when he wants to talk with me, what I feel like he wants is
1: you know, just me to tell him that like to encourage him or tell him that everything's going to be okay or kind of pat him on the back basically be what i need him to be for me yeah
0: so if he was sitting in front of me right now what i would want to say to him is dad can we do things differently
1: i, I don't want it I, I want to have a connection with you but i don't want it to be the way that it's been i, I don't yeah. like our relationship and i would love a relationship with you that was healthy that was was awesome and open and I want that more than anything else. But every time that I try to talk to you about my issues, you tell me about yours and I know that you want to be a good dad to me, but you don't know how. And so it's complicated. I love you so much. And I, I don't really know how to express that because of how complicated things are. I don't want them to be complicated. Yeah. So saying this feels. I don't have a word for it.
0: It's okay.
1: Yeah, it's okay. Maybe, maybe like sad, kind of confusing. Mm. Yeah, because what I've
0: wanted from him is... I don't even know. Mm. But the direction that I've wanted from you is if you're speaking to him. Oh,
1: Dad, all I've ever really wanted was for you to tell me that I have what it takes and that I can just go out there and make my best shot. Even if I fail, that's okay. You're there for me and you love me anyways. Yeah. Yeah yeah yeah
0: but because you haven't taken your own best shot, the impact has been
1: negligible,
0: <laughs> yeah, and what you've taught me is
1: to give up because eventually, no matter how many times you try, it's not gonna work out, and mm. you keep struggling doing the same things over and over again, just struggling away. Getting nowhere
0: really. So if I wasn't if I wasn't being so kind and nice, what I would want to say to him is,
1: get your shit together, please. Yeah. Like, yeah, take some take some real inventory of what's going on. Like, you know that all of your kids are are leaving. There, none of them are in the same place as you. All of us don't want to live there. You've known that for a long time. If you want to be with us, you have to come to us. And I don't know what that would mean for you. I don't don't even know if there's hope for you at this point. When I I look at at where you're at, you seem so stuck and so alone and you hate it, but you don't hate it enough to change. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And what I'm not going to put up with anymore is
1: listening to you tell me about your ex-girlfriend or the new relationship that you're trying to form or the different relationships that you wish you had or the old relationships that you failed at or the how women are terrible or how like the government's out to get you or all of that stuff. It's all trash. It doesn't help you at all. And it's not my place to talk to you or advise you about how to manage your relationships. You 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 do need that. You do need someone, but I'm not that person. And there's counseling. There's options out there. There's YouTube videos if you needed that. You really mm-hmm. need some friends. I'm not your friend. I'm, I'm your son. Good. So the boundary I'm going to set with you is? Let's not talk about relationships. Let's not talk about women. Let's talk about you and me and about how how you're doing, how I'm doing about what you want to what you want to do next about what I want to do next but let's not talk about let's not talk about relationships anymore let's not talk about the hopelessness and the how you're trying to have that perfect relationship that you wanted when you were a kid and didn't get and let's let's never yeah. talk about my mom mhm yeah cuz when you talk about my mom it's usually it's usually negative mhm And that feels disrespectful because. Because she's, she's my mom. You know, Uh, I, I, I want to see her that way. I want to see her as my mom. I don't want to see her as your disappointment. Mm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Good. Good. All right. One more deep breath. And out. Good. So answering these questions has felt.
1: Uh, uh, really awesome it's been uh, scary um to go into the into some of those places i don't Mm -hmm. like to say negative things about my my family Mm -hmm. i feel like i shouldn't
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) well it's you know you bring up you bring up a good a good point which i think a lot of people battle with which is You know, there's we we often find ourselves at odds with our own healing, because sometimes our own healing means that that we need to look at the 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 honesty and the truth of how some people have been showing up in our life. And we have a a tendency to want to protect our family at all odds, at all costs. And, you know, we don't want to badmouth them and we don't want to, we, we definitely don't want to hurt them. And there are times where because of that protection mechanism, uh, we sacrifice our own boundaries and we diminish our own sense of self-worth because that's what happens when we sacrifice boundaries, right? There, there is a direct correlation. Every time that we know that there's a boundary that we should be setting with a family member, with a friend, with a partner, and we aren't setting those boundaries, the impact of that when they cross those boundaries is that it, is that it, it diminishes our sense of self-respect and self-worth and, and it pushes us further and further into the role of the victim. And the last thing it does is that it amps up the, our sense of helplessness right? Because we start to feel like, well, it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter what I say, because I'm just going to find myself in this situation anyway. And that creates this closed loop of convincing us not to set boundaries with people, especially with our family, right? So we can both protect our family and protect ourselves, And how that happens is through these boundaries of saying, look, because right now and i and I, i'm i'm going to say this to you respectfully and and lovingly and with all the compassion that i can muster but up until right now my friend you have been enabling him to be in that space right you've been his confidant and and you've been a, sort of allowing him to continue on that way because what you've been getting out of it is that it's been the fuel and the and partly not entirely but partly the permission For you to continue doing the same thing in your life, does that land on your side? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So what do you think would shift if these boundaries were put in place? I wonder if I would ever
1: be able to talk to him again.
0: Mm, How come?
1: I don't think he understands what boundaries are exactly. Mm -hmm. The last time I tried to set boundaries with him, like clearly... Uh, he told me that he thinks boundaries means someone's pulling away from him because he's had girls say that to him before. And that's kind of when they quit hanging out with him. So mm-hmm. he doesn't trust them, but if he doesn't trust the boundaries and I don't trust him, so then I do pull away. Yeah.
0: So you can, you can kind of see how, like, even when you don't set boundaries, the impact is that you
1: want to pull away. Yeah, poor boy right, it makes you all the way pretty far. Last time I saw him was uh three weeks ago we did a river trip with the family. Uh four days. I made it four days, even like I could have probably taken more time off, but I kept it short because I knew it was going to be difficult. And the time before that that I saw him was Christmas. So and uh yeah, it feels like the spaces in between spending time with him have been kind of getting further and further apart.
0: Yeah. Okay, so my so let's just do a couple more questions. So my the boundaries that I've had with my father have been weak. <laughs> okay, and in, and word? in the past, yeah, and in my past relationship, my boundaries were also
1: really bad. Yeah, and that led to difficult relationships that are uh, okay at the start, but then over time get worse because. I don't tell people when something isn't okay. Someone wants like a ride from me and I give them a ride and then they tell me that, uh, they, uh, you know, is this okay? I say yes, even if it's not. And then I don't want to spend as much time with them, which is stupid because they did ask sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I don't set boundaries, the impact on my sense of
1: self-worth is pretty high, man. i to say a little bit more. Yeah, I, I, I think that when I don't maintain my boundaries, then I start to feel in this sort of weird space where I feel like anyone can kind of come in and take anything from me. So then I, in response to that, then I want to isolate myself further. I want to, uh, keep those people away from me so that I don't get taken advantage of, but I really do want to be with people. So then I kind of end up just being really lonely and, uh, Mm. yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's very well put, right. You know, what you're, what you're really saying is that when I don't set boundaries with people, the impact is that I feel invaded in, you know, I, I sort of feel like people can just walk, walk into me, walk over me. And so rather than, you know, because I want to protect them and I want to protect myself, the only option that's left is for me to pull away, right? Is for me to disconnect from them, which isn't what you want, right? And how do you feel like that's been impacting
1: dating life? I mean, probably a lot. I don't have a lot of like uh, close friends around me. So that's, gotta be something that people look at i try to kind of hide that a bit i ha- I do have some friends uh, I, have, I have a couple of friends who know me really well but i don't have like a really big social circle and i kind of keep it that way i think that it makes it difficult to get to know people if i'm not saying what i really mean got it okay good
0: Let's go back to the relationship and then we're gonna wrap up here because we are getting short on time, but um, it's gonna ask you a few more questions around the relationship to just see what we can pull out of of that experience and, and maybe help understand you know what's still what's still lingering um, but first, maybe give me a little bit of an idea of um you know this understanding of the the lack of boundaries with with your dad and sort of seeing how he's gone through life and and his legacy or his impact on you uh how how have you seen that just impact that relationship specifically and and you
1: know every everything since right right okay uh yeah my lack of boundaries around my father resulted in me pulling back from him uh pretty rapidly in my teen years like i made a dramatic like i don't ever like i'm leaving uh, and i It's not like I said that to him. It's not like I said, hey, listen, because of the way that you are, I'm leaving. I was scared that he had all the power over me. So I did just as much as I possibly could to get away with him. And it turned out that I can do that. He's not that powerful. Mm. And uh, Mm. I don't know, maybe if I had said something about that, it might have changed the relationship, Um, made it possible to actually talk to him. I remember I did set one boundary with him about six years ago that really helped. And it was, uh, he was talking about, Oh, women are this, blah, blah, blah. Women are negative. Women are bad. Women are whatever. And I said, dad, when you talk about women like that, it scares me. And he just went totally quiet for a second. And then he like looked over him and he said, I don't want to scare you. And then he quit talking about that. Like he hasn't talked about it that way in a while. When he does talk mm-hmm. about it, he's more specific. He's like this woman that I'm with, blah blah blah. He won't generalize to all women as much, or he seems to. There seems to be sort of a an awareness of that.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and you know, I think one of the things that that sort of stands out is is you have a, you know, you have an un, not unfortunate, but you have a, a track history of you know, here you grew up in an environment where you've heard your father talk about women in a light that sounds dangerous and threatening, yeah. right? Not that they have, you know, from from what I know in this brief interaction, it doesn't sound like women have been physically harmful towards him, mm-hmm. um, but it sounds like he feels like he's the victim of women in his life. And so that narrative and oh, yeah. that story you know, as a young adult is going to permeate your, your consciousness, right? And then you find yourself in a relationship with a woman who, you know, it's, there's, there's not boundaries, uh, you know, on, on your side, she's kind of volatile. She's, you know, unfaithful and it perpetuates this narrative. So if you could summarize, you know, what your story is or has been, uh, about women, what would
1: that sound like? Uh, it's, it's definitely a, a story about, um, uh, misunderstanding, uh, mistrust, uh, emotional neglect, like like all of the issues come back to neglect, um, rather than, uh, any sort of real abuse or, uh, like there was some insults and some yelling thrown back around between me and my ex at a certain point when the relationship got very disrespectful near the end, but that wasn't before all of the neglect and the Like, Oh, what can I get away with? How far can I go this way? Like, can I get some on the side was before that started happening. Um, Mm -hmm. it was, yeah, just went from lovey-dovey to slowly less and less things and things being less and less special and less and less communication around things and there was eventually this sort of painful vacuum. That I, that, and that's what I remember growing up between me and my father too, was like that painful vacuum of like, we're just sitting in the truck driving to the next job site and just this long, quiet drive, nothing going on. And I'm just in my internal world, which is a very negative one. And now I can I can see why right <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and
0: you know you can just I just want to pinpoint this this theme that is happening over and over and over again and and just address this before we move on. but you know there is this there's this commonality that continues to show up that you have been in your own internal world and that internal world has been somewhat negative. Right, and so you, you've given examples from childhood. You can give examples from from the teenage years and and beyond. And the you know the the have you ever heard of a book called Iron John? Ooh, yeah, I have. Uh, yeah, my friend uh, was telling me to read that. Yeah. Read chapter one. Yeah, great, great book. You know, it, it talks a lot about the coming of age of a of a young man, but it also talks about um, you know being able to being able to meet the sort of like wild man within you. And that's just what he calls it. Uh what Robert bly calls it in in Iron John is the wild man. But really it's about coming into contact with this more primal part of our internal being. And that primal part is required because that primal part is the is the essence that allows us to set boundaries. And it might sound counterintuitive, but I always say anger or good boundaries requires good healthy anger because our anger is like the detection mechanism that helps us see when a boundary is being crossed right so when we feel that internal reactivity we can tell that a boundary is being crossed now that doesn't mean that we have to yell or shout to set a boundary it simply means that we have to be able to notice when that anger is there but you can see how there's this there's this theme of feeling internally alone with your own thoughts and your own experience and that experience being largely negative. Can you just say a little bit more as to why you feel like that experience has been negative? The internal
1: one? Uh, Well, when I was growing up, it was all about uh, being controlled and being neglected, right? So I, they, like my dad and his whole thing was because he wanted us to have this sort of perfect view of the world um he uh isolated us right and then would talk to us about christianity and uh, sort of seven day creation and that kind of thing and it was like he didn't want us to get exposed to other influences because then that would kind of you know corrupt our mind or whatever and so then so the way to control that the best was to just have no influences right or as little as possible and so then we lived in the bush and there was no one really around and whose viewpoints he disagreed with. Like, obviously there still were because there's any person you ever meet is going to have an opinion mm-hmm. that disagrees with you. <laughs> Every single person, because no one is you. So he couldn't really completely Ziploc bag everything, but he did a pretty good job of cutting off a lot of social contact and uh, uh, n- not really much media either. It was like, uh, we watched a lot of DVDs and VHS tapes that he sort of approved of, and even then he'd, there'd be content where you would have to jump up and like censor the screen, or I'm <clears throat> in the middle of a, mm-hmm. a sentence or whatever. But um, yeah, my I didn't really know exactly what my needs were, but I remember times where I would be like really hungry and I needed proper nutrition or proper food, but I wouldn't know what to ask for. Right, I'm just not a feel off right? And now, like, I've been paying a lot of attention to my diet the last few years. And I'm like, wow, I did not eat nearly enough vegetables growing up. Uh, I didn't have, like, I had way too much carbs. And like, I don't know, I guess what I'm really trying to say with all of that is just that I didn't have any control over looking after my own needs. Because my dad was so concerned, like he was trying so hard to make everything perfect for me that even yeah. things kind of hell.
0: Okay, good. <laughs> so what do you feel? Because, I, you know, I think, can you, through this conversation, through some of the work that you've done, see how that that way of being, of that isolation, shutting down, uh, has sort of continued on? Um, can, can you see how that started to impact and, and permeate, you know, some other areas of your life? Oh, for sure.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, this last... Yeah. Oh no, you we were looking for a specific example there. It's fine.
0: No, not no no no. Guys, you know, I think that there's you you've given some examples just through this work, but I think that there, you know, the the opportunity to start to lean into and do something different, right? And you know, Einstein said that the definition of of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And yet we do that when we're when we're in pain. You know, we do that especially when we feel um helpless or hopeless or like we are the victim of something and that there's this undertone of of hoping that someone will come to to get us someone will come to save us and you know i think a, a little bit it sounds like there's still a part of you that's hoping that your dad will pull out of his own bullshit and that he will eventually step into the man that that you have always wanted him to be and That is, that's a part of the shadow. It's part of the, the illusion, you know, it's part of the, the father wound, I guess we could call it, which a lot of men fall into, right? A lot of men fall into this, this space of hoping that their father will turn into the man that they've wanted them to, wanted them to be, or, or finally show up in the way that they've wanted them to. And the work that we have to do as men is to stop waiting for that. And to to let go of the illusion that he's somehow going to change and for us to step into and to call ourselves forward into being that man, into giving ourselves those things which he has not been capable of giving us. And that's challenging. And that might mean that you find uh, you know a men's group to join where you can have that very direct guidance and support. You know, I know that you tried some men's groups through, through the church, which maybe didn't land in the way that you wanted to. Uh, but you know, you could check out, like you could check out the Alliance, which is something that I run and the guys in there are really, really poignant. Um, and if it's not that there's countless other, you know, online in-person groups where that type of direct mentorship and guidance will, will be important, but it's, it's all in the effort of, of helping you start to teach yourself how to do that. And, and you know a friend of mine Trevor Bohm, always says no one's coming to save you <laughs> you know no one's coming to save you and and people can support you and people can help you and people can give you guidance um but at the end of the day it's really our own individual responsibility to start to provide ourselves with the type of uh self-respect and boundaries and guidance and mentorship that we looked for from our father. And if you're not going to get it from him, then then getting it somewhere else, at least for a small period of time so you can see what that looks like and feels like is going to be incredibly important. Does that resonate
1: with you? Absolutely, yeah. I feel like that's a big part of what I've been learning. This like last year, I, uh, I've had the, the misfortune or perhaps the amazing opportunity of having a lot of people in my life kind of actually walk out not on me although it resulted that way like they moved to other countries or different places and Mm -hmm. i've ended up recognizing very clearly that the people out there who i thought was were going to support me or help me they're they're just not going to do that and they're not going to even really be there for me much at all and when it comes down to it the only person who knows if i'm working on myself is me and i uh spent a lot of years hoping someone else was going to take charge of my life and, and make it good. And I've, I've recognized that uh, I need to take charge of my life if I want to make it good.
0: Yeah. Good, man. Good. So, um, you know, I know we're, I know we're short on time here and and almost wrapping up. Um, I, I just have a, a few more questions. So, um, let's just go back to the, the relationship. So, in in my relationship, I felt angry because
1: I didn't set good boundaries. And when I was hurt, I expected the other person to adjust themselves to me uh, when they didn't. I felt betrayed and angry.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. Okay. And I was angry with her because she never saw me.
1: She never really saw who I was mm. and, and how I felt about her. Okay. And I was, I was angry with myself because I didn't do what I needed to do uh, to take care of myself. I didn't walk away when I needed to walk away. I didn't express my feelings and emotions as I felt them in that moment. I waited and I tried to be a hero instead of being a hero to myself. Mm. Yeah. And I was angry with God because Well, because he's a lot like dad in some ways, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) You want to say more about that? Uh, He didn't step in to take my pain away. He didn't heal me when I asked him to. He didn't do anything for me. And through that process of realizing that I'm, I'm not getting what I needed through that, no matter how much I pray, no matter how loud I scream when I'm praying, it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, I have to do this on my own. And that's exactly like how it was when I was growing up, man. <laughs> I'm on my own. There's an idea out there that looks like it's supposed to be support, but it doesn't really do the support that I, that I need. And what I really need is to come into myself and do the best that I can to make things better mm-hmm. yeah
0: so what god or life or the universe may have been trying to teach me is
1: that I, i'm responsible i need to take charge. i yeah. need to own my own story and i can't let someone else write it for me yeah great
0: is powerful you know like yeah i think there's a distinction right it's not it's not necessarily your fault um that some of those things happen not your fault that you know your father was a certain way, or you know, you know, as a as a teenager, is talking to your mom about these things. That's that's not on you, right? That's not that's not your fault. And these things that have happened later on in life and your relationship and, and whatnot, you know, it it is it is only your responsibility to learn from them, to heal from them, to integrate the lessons that they were teaching, so that you break the cycle. Right. You break the cycle and and the legacy that is being passed down to you from your father and you create a new one and a more powerful one, a more empowered one that is going to allow you to step into the type of relationship that you want. And that's going to allow you to, you know, eventually, if you want kids to be able to teach your kids, you know, different lessons and to have a have a quote unquote different legacy, but to be able to to show up for them first and foremost, showing up for yourself. And, and that's an incredible gift, you know, because it sounds like I, and I would imagine that at some point your father learned that behavior, you know, he learned that from somewhere. And, and I'm sure that if he was on this call with me, or if he was, uh, you know, sitting in a session with me, that would be something that he would explore and discover is how did he learn that behavior? So, hmm. (laughs) <laughs> so I think that there's a few things we're going to, we're going to have to wrap up here because uh, you know, we've got a little bit over time, so I hope I haven't made you late for anything. Um, but just, just a couple last things. So, so how I feel right now is.
1: Um, relieved. I, uh, I feel good getting a chance to actually process this stuff and, and talk about it. I feel a little disconcerted too, because I can see that my, distrust for the process that i'm on in my life uh my my distrust in you use the word god which is kind of a bit of a trigger of a word but but we'll use the word here too like my distrust for god and my distrust for my father are kind of the same also right so i'm like it, it's kind of all the same song song and dance right i don't i don't like that it's
0: uncomfortable. yeah no and that's and that's 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 powerful into itself, right? And I think that that when we have a distrust for Father, for God, for, you know, they, we could even replace that with life, right? That we have a distrust of life being able to support us, provide for us, um, you know, be a safe space for us. And that's that's, you know, that's part of the challenge. So part of the challenge that you are, you know, now embarking on is being able to build trust with that. And that just means having boundaries. <laughs> you know, it just means being able to say, "Here's here's what's okay with me. Here's what I'm going to allow. Here's what I'm not allowing anymore," and and here's what self respect looks like for me. And and to start to explore what that looks like, not to not to need to have it perfect or need to have it figured out entirely, um, and not to swing so far in the other direction that you set these you know I- incredibly rigid boundaries that isolates people just in a different way. But in a way where you start to explore what do healthy boundaries look like for me, and what is what does healthy integration of anger look like for me, and sadness, and how do I experience some of these things and communicate them? So I'm I'm excited to see what happens on your on your side. Uh, one last question. So what I'm really ready for right now
1: is a change,
0: and that'll happen when I
1: when I when I make it happen.
0: Yeah, and the first step that I'm going to
1: take is. I'm going to move out of the house that I'm in now. I'm going to get my own place and, uh, I'm going to be willing to do uncomfortable work. Good.
0: That's great. (laughs) That sounds like some good first steps, my friend. Um, well, thank you so much for joining me on the show. It's been a pleasure to talk to you.
1: Um, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Connor. It was a really awesome opportunity and I appreciate, uh, yeah getting a chance to be on the podcast yeah anytime
0: all right so for everyone that's out there uh i hope you enjoyed this conversation and uh you know send send some some compassionate uh, but also strengthening uh energy towards our guests out there in the ether so that you can set some of those boundaries have those conversations and, and take the next step in his life and uh don't forget to share this episode with someone who you think needs to hear we all know Um, you know, whether it's ourself or family members or friends uh, that can benefit from these types of, of very open and real conversations. So until next week, this is Connor Beaton signing off.